Amen. Okay, thank you guys. Um, so like I said, there will be a, a quick meeting afterwards, um, so for the ushers and the greeters, and, uh, and so make sure you're ready for that. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right in as the ushers kind of finish up here. Uh, we're on week five of our Hello, My Name is Jesus series. Um, we have a couple more weeks to go, um, and uh, so we're on week five, and so again, we want to look at our, our kind of our, our theme verse for, the, uh, for our, our series, which is Philippians 3. 10a. Uh, it is in the Amplified Version. It gives us a little bit deeper of an understanding of what Paul was saying here. It says, but for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and, 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 and I miss an hour of sleep too. Yeah. Intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Okay. So, don't you love spring forward, you know? Uh, it's one of those things that we were actually talking about it last week, and, and uh, John and Nicole were sharing how excited they were about this, and I will be excited about this in probably about a week's time. But right now, I'm kind of in the, uh, uh, boy, I wish we had that extra hour. But, uh, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, obviously, I'm having a hard time reading, so this should be interesting. But uh, today, what we want to talk about, uh, the new attribute that we want to look at this morning, is I want to introduce you to the generosity of Jesus. The generosity of Jesus. Now, I know that we know Jesus is a giver, but, but we want to look a little more deeper into this. We want to look a little more deeper into his generosity, what it looks like, uh, how we can also see it and learn from it and kind of go from there. And I want to look at a couple of, of stories that I feel like really uh, show these points as we go through um, the notes. Obviously, we don't have a lot of notes this week, uh, which probably is a good thing, but we are going to be looking at some larger stories um, in, this, in this, so we'll, we'll look at those in just a second. So let's pray. Father, we love you. I need you. Come and still be a part of all that we're doing. Obviously, you're here. We know that, but Father, we need you to continue to, to speak through, uh, to speak to us, and Father, that you would speak through me. Father, we love you, we thank you, you're so good, and we ask that you just change us, help us to see the things that you want us to see, and that, Father, your Holy Spirit would illuminate those things in our hearts, change us so we can be more like you. We love you and we thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's look at the first thing we're going to be looking at, and it's quite simply this. Jesus gives extravagantly. Jesus gives extravagantly. One of the things we have up on the board is the, is the fact that we know that because God has given extravagantly, we give extravagantly. We, we've learned from this, but we're going to see this in a story in Mark 6. In Mark 6, starting with verse number 31, it's going to be up there on the screen behind me. There's a story that most of you know, uh, but we're going to look at it and see it and kind of see the extravagant giving of Jesus in this story. It says, then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a place, to a quiet place and rest a while. Now, let me kind of give you a little bit of background what's happened earlier in six. Jesus has been teaching the people. He's been helping them learn some things. And so now he's saying, okay, listen, let's, let's go rest for a bit. And so he's with his disciples. So he says, let's go rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So he is a busy guy. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. 
But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. So basically, if you kind of get the story here, basically they are trying to get away from the crowd to rest for a bit. They recognize Jesus, and they are running on the banks to get there before the boat does. Okay? So Jesus is doing this, and so Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. Now remember, he's tired, he's wore out, but now he has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So he continues this process of teaching. Let's continue on. So after that, there we go. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Now, so let's kind of get this story. So they've been teaching. Jesus has been teaching all day long. He's exhausted. He's tired. He's in this situation where, and the disciples look and say, Listen, man, these people are going to need to eat. They're going to be hungry. Send them away. Let's get something to these people to get, get them fed. Let's deal with this. And now... We see a very interesting response of Jesus. It says, but Jesus said, you feed them. Now, we're going to see this at the very end of our story. But basically, we have, the the, the Bible records, we have 5,000 men and their families. Okay? So we're probably looking easily here about 10,000 people, probably a little bit more. That's how many people are here. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you feed them. Now, the disciples respond to this in a very interesting way. He says, with what? They ask. Now, remember, let's, 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 we're doing this with Jesus. Let's go, we can also do this with the disciples a little bit. Let's kind of put some humanity on them, okay? I want you to picture yourself in this situation. I know we've read this story a lot. We've seen it on flannel boards. But let's look at it and let's try to see it exactly what was happening here. Okay? You are there. There's about 10,000 people listening. They're hungry. They're getting, gra- they're getting a little crabby, okay? You know, you've seen the Snickers commercials, you know? They're getting a little crabby. They're getting a little hungry. They say, hey, we need to send these people away get something to eat, okay? This is, this, they're hungry. It's not going to go well. You know, if you say something that upsets them, you know, it's not going to go well because they're hungry. So Jesus says, listen, you feed them. Now, what would you do in that moment? How would you respond? Because I'd love to think that we'd all be super spiritual and we'd all have this moment of, of yes, Jesus, I shall, with your help. And there would be music playing in the background. Maybe heroic type music. And of course, they're human, and they do probably exactly what we would do. They say, with what? This is, do you remember we just said, this is a desolate place. We're not going to find a, a tree with an, or, in an orchard you know, down the road that we can get everybody apples. He says, with what? We have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. They immediately go to, how much is this going to cost us? There's, there's 10,000 people. We'd have to work months and months and months just to provide the food for them. And Jesus' response is, how much bread do you have, he asked. Obviously, they don't know, so he says, go and find out. So now they go and they're looking. He says, they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or a hundred. So he goes, they find it, and then we continue. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up towards heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could, could, could distribute it to the people. He also divided 
the fish for everyone to share. They ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. What an unbelievably extravagant giver our Jesus is. Now, I want you to stop, and I want you to think how you would have responded in that situation. Because let's be honest, probably the majority of us would have responded somewhat similar to the disciples. We do see some other clues in other scripture when we look at the disciples and how they respond to the, to the generosity of Jesus in these types of situations. But they respond by looking at Jesus and going, what are you talking about, dude? Listen, do you realize how much time this is going to take? Do you realize how much this is going to have to work? Do you realize how much money this is going to cost? You know what we probably tend to do? is we, When we tend to see the generosity of Jesus, when we tend to see that type of situation, we as human beings tend to kind of go, God, is this really worth it? Now think about that for a second. That's not an unreasonable response of the disciples. He's going, look, this is, this is 10,000 people. That money, if we worked that hard, what could we do with it? How could we use it? We could, and these people, they're going to eat, and then they're going to get hungry again. Isn't there a better use for this? Isn't there a better way to do this? But Jesus says, no. We are going to bless these people. We are going to take care of them. Remember, why does Jesus do this in the first place? Why does Jesus even teaching them? Why doesn't Jesus say, look, folks, I'm glad that you ran all the way across the lake, but I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I've already taught you. Let me rest. No, he doesn't do that because he has compassion on them. He sees them and he wants to teach them. He wants to be a shepherd to them because they are like sheep without one. But I think there's something else that we need to see here that sometimes we miss when we look at these types of stories. And I think this is quite simply this. I think Jesus wanted to have dinner with 10,000 people. Now, I want you to stop. Now, a lot of this whole thing is kind of knocking away some of the stonework around the statue of Jesus that we kind of have built when we think about who Jesus is. Now, I know that Jesus knew he was going to do this miracle. I know that Jesus knew that we would talk about it today. I know that Jesus knew all the messages that would ever be taught and all the lessons that ever could be taught about these things. And I think he knew all those things. And I also think he just wanted to have dinner with some friends. I love that. I love that. Because listen, I don't know how you view Jesus, but here's what I don't see. I don't see Jesus doing this miracle. He's got everybody in little groups. And I don't see Jesus hanging out with his disciples over here in his little clique going, man, aren't I awesome that I did this cool thing? No. Here's what Jesus is doing, in my opinion. He's got them already in groups. Why? For lots of reasons. One, I think he makes sure he can spend time with each and every single group. I love that. I love that Jesus says, listen... I want to be with these people. I want, to, I want to share life with these people. I want to be and have dinner with these people. And we're going to talk about this point later on, so I don't want to get into it. But I just think this is so cool. This is Jesus. This is our Jesus, that he wants to be around us. He wants to do that. And so what does he do? To make that happen, he does an unbelievable miracle. He doesn't just do it in a small way. He does it in a huge way. He doesn't just do it in a way that says, listen, I'm going to give you just enough. He gives it so much that they eat as much as they want. Why? Why doesn't Jesus just do this? Okay, Couldn't he have done this? Why doesn't Jesus just say, everybody gets one fish? 
one loaf, and that's it. He could have done that. Wouldn't have that been generous? Absolutely. How cool is that? Jesus doesn't do that. He keeps giving and giving and giving and giving to the point that basically everyone is full. It's like, do you want some more? No, I'm stuffed. It's like Thanksgiving. And then there's 12 baskets left. Extravagant. Almost to the point of like wasteful. Even though they gather up and they save it. That's our Jesus. That's the type of giver that our Jesus is. We don't deserve it, but he gives. We don't earn it, but he gives. He just keeps going on and on and on and on. Why? Because he wants to be around us. He wants to give. He wants to be a part of our lives. Isn't that beautiful? Think about that. Listen, I know we've seen it. We saw the storyboards when we were kids. We saw the flannel boards. We watched Superbook. If you know what that is, awesome. If you don't, we'll talk after service. We saw all these miracles. We did. But did we really stop to see the generosity of our Jesus? Did we really stop to see how he just lavishes us with his giving? Extravagant. Extravagant. I looked up extravagant in the dictionary. It says this, spending much more than is necessary, or check this out, or wise, going beyond what is deserved or justified. That sounds like anything Jesus gives me. He's extravagant. Extravagant in his giving. He doesn't just, he doesn't just go to these people and say, listen, listen, here's just enough. There's 12 baskets after everyone has eaten that's our jesus that's the giving of our jesus next let's look at the the the, excuse me i need a drink let's look at the jesus gives abundantly jesus gives abundantly look at john 21 i love this story i love this story for so many reasons and some of them have nothing to do with the generosity of jesus but so we're going to miss on this but we're going to talk about this story and i love this this is after Jesus has, has, has died. He's risen from the dead. And, and basically, the disciples are sitting there, and they're trying to figure out what to do now. You know, obviously, this is a big deal. And Jesus, and Simon Peter says in first, starting with verse number three, he says, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. He says, we'll come too, they all said. So they all went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Okay? It says, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. But the disciples couldn't see who he was. Now, I I love this story because we just see so many um, attributes of Jesus. So much of his personality comes through in this story in so many ways. It says, Jesus was standing on the beach. He calls out, fellows, have you caught any fish? Okay. A tip, listen, when you go to the lake or the pond and you see somebody with their fishing rod in in the water, what's your natural response? Catch anything? Usually if I'm fishing, the response is absolutely not. I'm not catching fish, I'm feeding fish. Okay, that's usually what, how this goes for me. And so Jesus, in just such a simple, easy, I mean, think about Jesus for a second. He has now conquered death, hell, and the grave. He has, I mean, just, I mean he's, he's been reunited with his father. I mean, he has got to be walking literally on cloud nine. And he walks up to the beach where his disciples are, and he goes, hey guys, caught any fish? Caught anything? And he said, no, haven't caught a thing. 
It says, then he says, throw out your net on the right hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there was so much fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped uh, for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat, pulled the load net, excuse me, the loaded net to the shore for they were for they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, okay, so this is, I love this story. So they get there, and what's Jesus doing? So when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. So they call out. They're bringing the stuff in, and Jesus now has gotten a fire going, and he's got some fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard, and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come, he said, and have some breakfast. I love this story. And he goes on to teach Peter some different things and, and things like that. But, but, but basically, there's something here that I think is very interesting. I don't know if your Bible says this, but basically on mine... There's a little subheading, and basically it says there's seven disciples and things like that. And if you count through in, in the scripture, it shows that. So basically, there's seven disciples plus Jesus. There's eight guys. And they catch 153 large fish. I love that John goes into detail in his gospel a little bit. I love that we see that they were large fish. Now, I didn't do the math because I don't believe that's of God. But just go with me here, okay? And someone could very easily right now. That's a lot of fish per guy. I don't believe they could have eaten all that fish. Why didn't Jesus just have them catch enough fish for breakfast? We don't have any recorded situation where they didn't took the fish and sold the fish. Why does Jesus make 153 fish basically get into their net? Why? Why, why does Jesus, in his, in his first miracle, turn so much water into wine? Why do we have in those Gospels, why do we have recorded for us certain numbers and certain amounts? Why do we know these things? Why do we know that John doesn't say, listen, there wasn't just 153 fish, there was 153 large fish. How does one know that? It's quite simple. They had to count. They counted. It was amazing. They're like, oh my goodness, why, 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 why? Because our God gives abundantly. He doesn't just give enough. He doesn't just look at you and say, listen, I know you need just this amount. And that's where he goes. He goes above and beyond, pressed down, shaken together, spilling over into your lap is the type of giver that Jesus is. That's the way he works. That's who the man is. He doesn't just look at us and say, how much can you use to barely get by? He says, I got more than enough. I got a, hey, 153. I, I, one of the questions I'm going to ask Jesus one day, or I'll ask Paul, not Paul, I'll ask John or Peter, what did you do with all the fish? Did you give them away? Did you, did you sell? What, what happened with all the fish? I love that Jesus just gives, and he gives abundantly. He just gives more and more 
and more and more and more. The problem is, and this is what we need to catch here, folks, is sometimes we don't understand how important the things are that Jesus gives, and we don't always see that he is the one behind the gift. Do you understand that? Sometimes we look at Jesus and we put him in our little box and we say, Jesus gives to me like this. And we forget that Jesus gives in so many other ways. And because of that, we miss the unbelievably abundant generosity of Jesus. Because we look at him and go, Jesus, you've got to give this way. Look, we look at our bank account and we say, our bank account has this much in it. And our retirement has this much in it. And our savings have this much in it. Therefore, Jesus, based on that, is either a good giver or a poor giver. We forget the fact that we're not in a hospital room. We forget the fact that how much Jesus has kept us from things. We forget the fact that all of us have clothes on our body and a way that we got here and a home that we can go home to. We forget how blessed we are. The abundance that we have been given by Jesus. And that is sad and it's tragic. Instead of understanding what an unbelievable, generous God we have, we sit there and we ask for more and more and more. When God has given us more than we could ever possibly need and use. And it's amazing but he just gives abundantly. And the final one, and this is the best part, I even put this on here, the best part of the generosity of Jesus is that he gives himself. He gives himself. I have some verses here. We're gonna go through these quick. Okay, Monica, so you ready? Here we go. Matthew 8, 5, okay? In Matthew 8, 5, it says this. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Matthew 8, 1 through 3. 1 through 3. It says, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man says, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy left him. Mark 5, 21 through 24, it says this, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. And now look at Luke 19.5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Out of all the things that Jesus did, out of all the things that Jesus gives, the best thing he has ever given is himself. I love that Jesus, in our first story, didn't just want to do a miracle. He wanted to do a miracle because he wanted to be with people. He was tired. Remember, 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 we've talked about this. Jesus is exhausted. Jesus is tired and he makes time. We're not good at this. We're not good at this. Listen, you need to understand something. Parents, you need to understand something. Grandparents, you need to understand something. Kids, you need to understand something. There is no substitute for the presence of you in your kids or your grandkids' lives. Nothing. There is nothing you could buy. There is nothing you could give. There is nothing you could do besides give them you. 
That's what they need. That's what they need. I love that Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and he says, I must be in your house today. I love that Jesus doesn't just give of himself. He literally gives himself. Now look, I know it. We're all busy. Look, I know we all got a lot going on. But isn't this an unbelievable example? Isn't this an unbelievable example of how we should act and how we should live? To give of yourself. Look, Look, I know kids are kids. I know, you know, what, what do they want? They, they want stuff. It's, it's, it's kind of ingrained in our DNA. But you know what? That stuff, listen, listen, that stuff will eventually get broken. That stuff will eventually not be good enough. They'll come out with a new iPhone. They'll come up with a new iPad. They'll come up with a new this or new that. What will never be replaced is they need you. And we need Jesus. Listen, if your idea of Jesus is basically a slot machine or your idea of Jesus is Santa Claus, you have totally missed it. Totally missed it. He came to give himself his words, his touch, his time, his time. Think about that for a second. The God of the universe, who spoke the very world into existence, who everything through him was made and is made, wants to be a part of your life. Now listen, I, I say this sometimes, and, and, and I don't want you to miss this. Listen, if that doesn't stir something up inside of you, I don't think you really understand who Jesus is, Okay? I don't mean that as a negative. I don't mean that as mean. I mean that is, that is a gut check moment. Jesus wants to be around you. He wants to give of himself to you. He wants to be more than just someone. He wants to be a part of who you are. He wants to be a part. Listen, listen, you've got to understand something. When Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion on them, he's seeing you. He's seeing me. He's seeing us. He's wanting to be around us. When it went all the way back, when everything was good, before we messed it up. Now check this out. When everything was good, we got to walk with God on the cool of the day. When sin came, separation came. And ever since that time, from that point in Genesis to Jesus ripping the temple curtain, what was that all about? It was about getting back to being close with us. Listen, Jesus gives and he gives and he gives. He gives extravagantly. He gives abundantly. But the best gift he has ever given is himself. And what do we typically do? Let's just be honest. What do we typically do? What do our prayers look like? It's a list of all the things we want. It's the list of all the things we think God should do. And every single one of us is guilty of it. I know I am. Sometimes my prayer life is not a good one because it basically just turns into, Jesus, I need you to do this. I basically give Jesus his marching orders. 
And I do believe there are times in my life where Jesus sits there and he goes, seriously, I just want to be around you. Can't we just be together for a little while? Can't we just experience closeness for just a little while before you just go into your list of all the things that I have to supposedly do? Listen, we see here in these scriptures, and there was many, many more that we could have gone. We see Jesus giving his time, giving his, 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 his touch, giving, giving his words, being a part of our lives. And if we continued with a lot of these stories, we see that there is a miracle. We see that those needs are met. And that's awesome. That's great. But the best gift is Jesus is being near him and experiencing life with him. But the question becomes, what does our lives really look like in this area? I mean, look, we love the, we all do. We love the gifting, uh, the giving of Jesus when it's extravagant, when it's, when it's abundant. But when was the last time we were content with just Jesus? When I was a kid, I've said this before, I believe, I remember my grandma, she'd be in the kitchen. And, and, and don't take this as, as, as negative, but, but grandma had a grandma singing voice. Some of you know exactly what that means. And it was so sweet. And she would sing, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have him than, I think, mansions. And, I, I'd rather have Jesus anything. Can we sing that song and not lie? Because I know in my life, there's times where if I sang that, I'd be lying through my teeth. We want Jesus, but we also want all the stuff he brings. And and here's what's cool, okay? Okay. When we focus on Jesus and we make him the center, all those other things will be added to us. God will take care of those things. He'll take care of, uh, the thing about God, he doesn't just take care of our needs. Let's be honest, God takes care of our wants too at times. He blesses us that much. I mean, let me make this real simple for you, okay? Most of us are going to leave this place and we're going to go have lunch someplace and the majority of us are not going to be eating ramen. Okay? Ramen meets our need. Something better or bigger sometimes meets our wants. And God blesses us that way sometimes. And that's not bad. But sometimes we get the order all messed up. And we forget that the best gift of the most generous God that has ever been or will ever be is the fact that he gave his only begotten son. That was the best gift ever. Is that what we really focus in on? Or do we focus in on all the stuff that comes along kind of sometimes with it? If the worship team wants to come on back up, we're going to close Jesus just gave and gave. Our Father gives and gives and gives. 
never stops. John Eldridge has this quote. I think it was very, very telling. It says, Jesus doesn't only give his life for mankind. He also gives his life to mankind. I love that our Father's close. I love that Jesus is close. I love that, that when everything was paid for, God ripped a curtain. He ripped the separation between us and him because he wanted to, in a full sense, give himself to us. What a gift. You know, I would tell the kids at times in the youth group, I would look at them and say, listen, if you are missing a close, intimate relationship with Jesus, it's kind of like, and you may feel differently about this, but but this is just me. It's like taking an Oreo cookie and opening it and taking a knife and scraping out the cream, and then just eating the cookie plain. You're missing the best part. Listen, you need to realize this because we're all going to realize it one day. The gift of our Father is not life in heaven. It's not even life in the garden. The gift of heaven is Him. him. God could have done it however he wanted to. And I love in Revelation, we see this moment where God says, I will be their people. And they, there's just this, this drawing of ourselves to him. When Jesus looks out over Jerusalem and he says, how often I wished that you would let me gather you close. What does that say? In, in some ways, it says we've totally missed what the greatest gift of Jesus is. It's him. It's the fact that he wants to speak to us and share life with us and commune with us. The fact he wants to, to share these moments with you and me. What an unbelievable, gracious, unbelievable giving God. He doesn't just give us stuff that eventually is going to get taken out and it's going to get rust and mold and fall away and and become obsolete. He gives him. He gives him. And if you walk out of here this morning with one thing, when we talk about the generosity of Jesus, this is it. Realize that there is nothing that shows it more than him giving himself. Not just on the cross. But if you'll help me, if you'll you'll follow me for just a second. Not just him on the cross, but him by a campfire making breakfast. Wow. I don't know about you. I don't know what your vision is of the new heaven and the new earth is. And I, I mean, we could sit here and spend 20 hours talking about all the things that that's going to be. And the one thing I am so excited about 
and I don't know how this is going to work. I don't, I don't know. But, but, but we, got, we literally have all the time in the world, okay? And there's going to be a moment where it's going to be me and Jesus. And in that moment, I don't know what you picture, but I picture my fire sitting there with Jesus. Just being together. That's heaven. That's glory. And he gives himself. And you know what's cool? Is although we have that picture, then we can experience that today. We can can experience his closeness and his intimacy right now. Don't, listen, do me a favor. Don't wait till you're dead. That's silly. Let's do it today. Let's do it now because he's here giving of himself. Listen, I know that there there may be people with needs, financial or other, or healings, all those. Listen, listen, don't misunderstand something. God gives extravagantly. God gives abundantly, and he's got you. He does. He does. And it's good to pray, and it's good to bring those needs. Don't misunderstand, okay? Good, important. But let's start that prayer by just enjoying being with him first. Listen. One of the reasons out of many that we spend time in worship is so that we can spend time with him. I hope your worship is not a laundry list time to give Jesus his marching orders. I hope that your worship time is just time to minister and be close to him. Because he wants to be, he wants to be minister to you and be close to you. So let's pray. Father, we love you. And Jesus, you just give and give and give and give. Really, (laughs) out of everything in your creation, the one thing that doesn't give or gives begrudgingly is us. And Jesus, I'm so thrilled and so excited as we look at you and learn about you, we can see the the extravagance of your gift. Where where human beings look at it and go, that was a waste. That was not necessary. You didn't have to feed them till they were full. Jesus, you gave and you gave and you gave and you gave. And there were 12 baskets left over after everyone was full. Those people didn't deserve that, but it didn't matter. You loved them and you poured out on them. Not only did you feed them physically, you fed them spiritually. You fed them physically with your touch and your closeness. That's amazing. I know we could have focused on just simply that portion of scripture and and, and covered all this stuff. But Jesus, I'm so thrilled that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just like you wanted to have dinner with them, you want to have dinner with us. You want to share yourself with us. We're your disciples, meaning we walk with you. We talk with you. We're close to you. And that was an offer that you made to us. We didn't come to you and beg to be your disciples. You came and said, follow me. 
Why? Because you want to be close. You want to have the dust of your feet get all over us. And so Jesus, Father, I pray that in my life and in our lives, Father, you would do some rearranging. Father, I don't believe things need to be just destroyed, but I do believe there are some areas that need to be rearranged. Because at times, we tend to treat you more, I've heard it said like this, we tend to care more about what's in your hand than gazing at your face. We look at it and go, Jesus, what what you give me? We're we're the kid whose, whose dad goes away on a trip and he comes back. Instead of us as, his, as the children looking and saying, Dad, I missed you. Dad, I'm so glad you're home. We look and we jump and we giggle. Oh, what you bring me? What you bring me? What you bring me? What you bring me? Jesus, forgive us. Forgive me. Because you always have good and perfect gifts for your kids. We get that. That's awesome best gift ever is you. The best illustration of your giving is you. So Jesus, I pray through your Holy Spirit, you would come right now and God, you just begin to rearrange some things in our lives. You would illuminate some things deep inside of us to help us to first of all understand your unbelievable generosity. But God, that also we would understand the best gift is Jesus and everything else is icing on the cake. Everything else is a part of it. But God, help us never to forget the gift is you. The gift is you. So change us, help us to see it like that. We love you.